Some people say that Amazing Grace is the uh, Baptist theme song, but I think that that hymn right there, I Shall Not Be Moved, may actually be uh, the, the uh, Baptist one. Anyway, if you have your Bible today, I'd like you to open with me to the book of Matthew. We'll be in Matthew 25, and we will begin in verse 14 in just a moment. Matthew chapter 25 and verse 14. In the last few weeks, we've been doing biographical sketches of some of the characters in the Bible. And we've been looking at different episodes from their life and, and seeing what we can learn. And I don't plan on being done with that quite yet, but this week I felt led to do something a little bit different. And today we're going to look at this passage out of Matthew 25. About uh, It's a parable that Jesus tells about, um, about using what God has entrusted to us. Now, it's no secret, you all have been involved in this, um, even if you haven't been, even if you were coming in as a complete stranger off the street, you heard Bible school was this past week, and it was, it was a good week, it was a tiring week, a uh, really exhausting week in, uh, in a lot of ways, and uh, I know I've said before, I, I, I said thank you, but I want to say it again, thank you to everybody that worked and, and served in various capacities. Now some of the stuff with, uh, with church service, whether it be Bible school or just really any church work, some of it is, is out front, it's stuff that people see, and some of it is more behind the scenes stuff that just happens and you get it done and, and nobody knows how it happens. It's, it's, uh, it's, 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 just, it's magic, it's like, you know, it's, it just happens and then if it doesn't get done, everybody's trying to figure out uh, what, what's going on, who, who dropped the ball. But you, you guys have gotten it done, and whether it's out front, it's stuff that's, uh, that, that's seen, or whether it's behind the scenes, it has been noticed, and it is appreciated. And I, I want to tell you, I'm not just pleased, but I'm, I'm proud. I'm proud of the church, because this is, um, you know, we, we've had some years when we didn't even do Bible school. We, we couldn't get up enough interest to do Bible school, and this year you guys took off and ran with it, and, uh, and through us working together, that, that can get pulled off. But in that, in that vein, in that theme, we're going to look at a parable, like I said, that Jesus talks about using what God has given us. And it's about a king who has entrusted uh, some certain things to his servants or his slaves uh, to, to use while he is absent. So if you found Matthew 25 and are able to, I'd like you to stay in honor of God's word. We'll pick up in verse 14 and read down to verse 30. Matthew chapter 25 and verse 14. <clears throat> says, For it is just like a man about to go on a journey who called his own slaves and entrusted his possessions to them. To one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, each according to his own ability, and he went on his journey. Immediately the one who had received the five talents went and traded with them and gained five more talents. In the same manner, the one who had received the two talents gained two more. But he who had received the one talent went away and dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. Now after a long time the master of those slaves came and settled accounts with them. The one who had received the five talents came up and brought him five more talents, saying, Master, you entrusted five talents to me. See, I have gained five more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful slave. You are faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. Also the one who had received the two talents came up and said, Master, you entrusted two talents to me. See, I have gained two more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful slave. You are faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. And the one, who, and the one also who had received the one talent came up and said, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow, and gathering where you scattered no seed. And I was afraid and went away and hid your talent in the ground. 
See, you have what is yours. But his master answered and said to him, You wicked, lazy slave. You knew that I reap where I did not sow and gather where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have put my money in the bank, and on my arrival I would have received my money back with interest. Therefore take away the talent from him and give it to the one who has ten talents. For to everyone who has, more shall be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who does not have, even what he does have shall, not be, taken away, shall be taken away. Throw out the worthless slave into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Thank you. you may be seated. Now there are a few things I want you to see in our text. The first is that we do not all have the same capacities. We don't all have the same capacities. If you look back at verse 14, Jesus talks about it. Now some translations actually, uh, the, the translators fill in what the it refers to, and it's, that's taken from uh, chapter 25 and verse 1. Jesus is talking about the kingdom of heaven. He says, what is the kingdom of heaven like? And then he tells, he tells some parables. He tells some stories to illustrate what the kingdom of heaven is like. This is what it's like in God's economy. And he says, this, this parable that he tells says that, that there's a king who stands in place of Jesus, and this king entrusts his possessions to some of his servants, to some of his slaves, and then he goes away for an undetermined amount of time. Now, of course, Jesus has, has, uh, has ascended back to the Father. He is gone, but he will come back one day. We don't know when that is. In the meantime, he has entrusted certain things to us. Now, if you look at verse 15 again, the king entrusts his possessions, but how does he do so? Verse 15 says, to, the, to, to one, he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, each according to his own ability, and he went on his journey. The king entrusts his possessions according to their own abilities. Now, I want us to slow down our pace a little bit, and, and I want us to kind of stroll along. Have you ever noticed when you stroll along, uh, stroll along uh, they say, stop and smell the roses. It's, it's when you slow down and, and you start to look around that you can see some of the details. And I want us to look at some of these details in the text. What does it mean that he gave to each according to his own ability? What does it mean that he gave to each according to his own ability? Well, it means exactly what it says. It means <coughs> that, that the king, again, this stands for Jesus, does not distribute his things, his possessions, his, his stuff to people equally. He gives to each according to his own ability. We all have different abilities, different capacities. We have different amounts of wisdom. We have different skill levels. We have different ways of handling things. And contrary to the message of popular culture, they're not all equal. They're not all the same. Now understand, each person is, is, is equally valuable in the sight of God. We all have a, an equal right to handle things the way that we see fit. But they are not all equal in goodness. Now, now listen, our Lord knows our capacities. He knows our abilities. And He distributes to each one according to our abilities. Now I want you to... I want you to to, to, to think about this in regards to your own life, but also as, as it applies to a church. <coughs> Excuse me. Now I want to highlight that word talent. If, if you look at it in your text, this king gives talents to his servants. Now in our day, a talent means a, a gift or an ability or an aptitude to something. And that is not the way it's used in our text primarily. Because a talent back then was an it was an amount of money. It was equivalent to about 6,000 days wages for the average laborer. So you just think about that. It was about 240 pounds of silver. So when this 
when this wealthy man, this king, gave five talents to this servant, he's giving him about 80 years worth of wages. Now think about how much you make. You say, well, I don't make very much. That's fine. Think about that times 80. Think about all the money that you made from the time that you got your first job to the time that you retired after that point, or however much money you've made from the time that you got your first job to this point, and you just extend that on out if you're not to retirement age, and, and, and think about all that money, and he gave that much plus some to this one guy, and then two, and then one. Now, the original context is specifically money, but again, this is a parable. These are not real people. And so I, I think if we, if we take, I, I don't think we do violence to the text to see this as a picture of all that God has given to people, whether it be talents or money or, or whatever it is. So let's apply our text today. Let's, let, let's think about what this means for us today. Now, I've known many of you for several years, and I would say probably none of us here, if I were to ask you how... If you were to say, are you a five-talent person, a two-talent person, or a one-talent person, I don't think anybody here would say, well, you know, I'm a five-talent person. Nobody here would say that. And I'm going to tell you something, and I hope you take this in the way that I mean it. You're right. I love all of you, and you're exceptional in many ways, but the five-talent person, you're probably not a five-talent person. And the reason I say that is because the five-talent person, those are the people who are are the exceptional people. These are the people who get recorded in history books. These are the people that whenever kids go through history, if they, if they learn history, that person has a name in the book and then several chapters after them. These are the people who have schools named after them. These are the, these are the people who have literary uh, uh, awards named after them in their honor. As one of the resources I read pointed out, most of us are two-talent people. Because we're not the five-talent people, we're not the exceptional, but we're not the one-talent people who barely scrape by. We are what they, what they termed uh, useful mediocrity, is the way they phrased it. We, we are mediocre. We're middle of the road. And that's okay. And I want to point out a couple of things about this. First, we must not compare ourselves to others or complain about what God has given us in, in the... In the in terms of talent, in terms of ability, in terms of resources. One reason is because the gifts, the talents, and everything, they don't originate with us. If you'll notice our text, where do these talents come from? Do they belong to the servants? No, they belong to the master. They belong, in this case, to the Lord. And it is the master who distributes them. And so so we don't have a right to say, God, you don't know what you're doing. God, you messed up when you didn't give me this talent or that talent or this resource or that resource. The master gives to each according to their abilities and to suit the situation that he's placed them in. So if we don't have the capacities or the resources that somebody else has, we shouldn't compare ourselves to them. And for one, we shouldn't get jealous of that person. But nor should we look down on somebody if they have less than us. This applies to us individually, but it applies to us as a church as well. And I think what happens a lot of times in, in, in churches, the little church looks suspiciously at the big church and says, well, now, I don't know. They have all these resources. I, and and maybe, maybe we're skeptical 
of, 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 of what they're doing simply because they have more resources. And the big church sometimes looks down at the small church and says, they only have this much money. They only have this many people. I can tell you, as being bivocational pastor, that is real. Because I've talked to pastors of, of large churches, and I, they say, oh, where, where do you serve at? And I, I tell them, oh, I've never heard of that. Yeah, I understand. Uh, you know, it's, it's a really small church. We run about, you know, 25 on Sunday morning. Oh, oh, you know. And, and sometimes people look down on that. Listen, little churches are not good or bad simply because of their size, and big churches are not good or bad simply because of their size. Now, I think there's a temptation to go one way or another in, uh, in both of those, but God has given to each according to his will. And, and so it applies to churches, it applies to individuals, and you can jot this down, comparison is the thief of joy and contentment. Comparison is the thief of joy and contentment. You start comparing yourself to others, I guarantee you, you will end up unhappy in some way or another, every time. Second, don't think that because you're a two-talent person, you're not useful in the kingdom. Don't think that because you're middle of the road and you're mediocre, you're run-of-the-mill, you're plain vanilla, that somehow that, that, that God is unhappy with that. Because he's, number one, he's the one who gave you those abilities, those gifts, those resources, those capacities. But number two, if you'll notice, when, he goes, when, when, these, when, when these slaves, when these servants give an account to the master, the five-talent guy gets high praise from the master. The two-talent guy gets the exact same praise as the five-talent guy. He got the same as the guy whose name's in the history books. So we all have different capacities, different abilities. We're not all equally. Uh, uh, we're not all equally um, empowered, I guess you'd say, in those in those uh, in those ways. Second, we are expected to use and increase what God has entrusted to us. I want you to see that we are expected to use and increase what God has entrusted to us. Now, the explicit instruction to take this, multiply it, use it, make more, is not found in the text. It's not explicitly said, take this and multiply it. But it is taught, because the two guys who did that, what happened? They were commended, well done, good, faithful servant. The one guy who didn't do it, he didn't improve it at all. He just gave back what had been given to him. He was judged and punished. And what was, what was the Lord's response? He was a wicked and slothful, lazy slave. Now again, this applies to us individually and as a church. Sometimes we look at our life and we think, well, God has entrusted all these things to everybody else, but he kind of skipped me. And maybe you've said that, maybe you've thought that, but sometimes it seems like you see this person doing this, that person doing that, and, and this person's writing this book, and this person's on TV, and this person on the internet, and they all have these, you know, all, all these various things, and you sometimes look at it and say, boy, those are the superstars, and I'm just, well, I'm kind of blah. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm unexceptional, I'm just, I'm just kind of here, God has, has not entrusted me with anything. But notice what it says in verse 15 again. Again, this is not my words. This is the word, these are the words of Jesus. The one he gave five talents to another two and to another one, each according to his own ability. Each. 
Everyone. That means you. Now, he may not have given you the same thing as your neighbor, but he gave you something. And he didn't give it to you for you to put it under a basket, under a bushel. What I mean is whatever he's given to you, improve upon it. Put it into use. Put it into practice. If you're gifted at teaching, for instance, figure out how to be a better teacher. If you're good with numbers, maybe take an accounting class. You get the idea. There, we have different opportunities to use what we've been given and different opportunities to improve those things. And we will not be held accountable for opportunities that we do not have. Now again, that's individually. Think, think about this as a church. Think about this as a church. We don't have the same resources, the same opportunities as some other churches have. One of our biggest uh, issues is size, number of people. It, that, that's just a real, that's just a real uh, uh, difficulty. I, I mentioned this to somebody just the other day. One time we went and visited a, a big church in Springfield. And they had a choir. And as we sit there, the choir began to, to come up to the, the choir loft. And this kept coming. And this kept coming. And I thought, whew, there's a lot of people up there. And I started to count because that's, that's the way my mind is. And I started to count. On the front row of their choir, they had more people than we have in our whole church. And I said, that is, I'm, I'm glad for them. I'm not jealous of that. I'm happy that they, that they had those resources. But I, then I look around and say, there are churches like us, the, the more normative-sized churches, Normative-sized churches run fewer than 100 people, and that's the vast majority of churches in America. And so sometimes we, we look at things, we say, oh, well, we can't do this or that because we're not the mega church. We're not the, the great big church that has a budget that has you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars and, and so on and so forth. Listen, we have opportunities to serve and mentor and reach people that the big church doesn't have. Because there are people who never step foot in a church that has hundreds or thousands of people that, that come, but they'll come to a church this size. And by the, by, on the flip side of that, there are people who would never set foot in a church this size, but they'll go to the big church. And listen, that's a good thing. Because the whole point is to reach people for Jesus. And it's good if we minister to a group that that church can't reach, and they minister to a group that we can't reach. So, so we don't all have the same resources, but we should use what we have for the glory of God. And finally, I want you to see in, in our text that we're judged according to our abilities and opportunities, not somebody else's. We're judged according to our abilities and opportunities, not someone else's. And this is such a huge, I mean, this is like the focus of this text. There's the five-talent guy. He goes out, he gets what he has, 80 years worth of, of, of wages. He gets that right away, he goes out, he doubles his money, the master's money. Two-talent guy, same thing. Gets it, goes out, improves what was entrusted to him. Verse 19, the master comes, settles the, the accounts. First guy comes up, and look, look at verse 19 again. Uh, or actually, look, look, at verse, um, look at verse 20. The one who'd received the five talents came up and brought five more talents, saying, Master, you've entrusted five talents to me. See, everybody may say, behold. He's drawing attention. This is a big, he, he is... He's making big motions and pointing this. See, I am proud of what I've done. I have, I've been faithful. I've taken what you've given me. I have multiplied it. And he, he, he doubles his money. He improves upon it. He proudly presents it to the master. And notice the response, verses, verse 21. His master said to him, Well done, 
good and faithful slave. You are faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. And then the two-talent guy comes up. And he equally is proud of what he's done. Notice what it says in verse 22. The one who would received the two talents came up and said, Master, you've entrusted two talents to me. See, behold, look, pay attention. I've gained two more talents. In verse 23, what is the master's response? Verbatim, it is the exact same thing he said to the guy that had five talents. Now understand, the guy who came in with four talents got the same praise as the guy who came in with 160 years worth of wages. The exact same praise. The exact same wording. He didn't say, well, you should have. If you had four, you could have made five. I mean, this guy, he doubled his and got ten. Surely he could have done four and a half. He doesn't say that. He praised the slave, not for the results, but for what? His faithfulness. To put an athletic term on it, we, we already heard it this morning, but run the race that's set before you. You don't run somebody else's race. He's praised for his faithfulness. He's not praised for the results. He's praised because he has done what the master wanted him to do. And notice the reward. They get to share in the joy of their Lord. Now think about this. God in heaven is experiencing joy. And as Christians, as we are faithful to do what He has said, especially at the end when when all accounts are are settled, we've given account to God for what we've done in this life, we get to enjoy, we get to share in the same joy that He has in heaven. Why? Because they're faithful. Now, I believe our Bible school would get a well done from the Lord. I don't believe he'd say it's perfect because it wasn't. There are always things that we can improve. There are things that we could have done better, and we can do better next time. But we are faithful. And that's why I'm so proud of the church, because there's been a huge buy-in, and you guys ran with it. Now, I want you to look at our text, because we're focusing on the five-talent guy and the two-talent guy. We can't forget the one-talent guy. Did you notice that the master didn't give this guy the five talents? He gave him the one talent. Why? Because he gave each according to their abilities. He knew their capacities. That's why he didn't give this guy five talents and the five talent guy the one. Now, the guy that gets the one talent, what did he do with what was given to him? Verse 25. It says, I was afraid and went away and what? I hid it in the ground. I stuck it in a mason jar buried it in the backyard. He didn't work, to, to, he, he didn't put it to use, he didn't improve upon it, he didn't multiply it. Listen, he did more work not putting it into use than he would have if he would have used it. He, used, he did more work not working it than he would have if he would have put it into service. And clearly this man didn't know the master. If, uh, if you'll look in, in verse 24, look at how he describes the master. He doubts the master's character. He slanders the master. He doesn't have faith in him. And he suffered the consequences. Now, this, this is a word of warning. Because there is no sin charged against, against this man other than 
being lazy and not doing what he should have. Said another way, he is punished for the sin of omission. You remember there, there are two types of sins. Sin of omission, sin of commission. Omission is not doing what God has said to do. God has said do this and we fail to do it. Sins of commission are when God says don't do this and we commit the sin anyway. We, we violate that, that command. God says don't do this, we do it anyway. Now look, he is charged with the sin of omission. He failed to do what he should have done. And he got that level of judgment. Consider then what the sins of commission are going to get. Now it may be that, that, that you're here and you're like the one talent guy. You, you, you think bad things about God. You doubt his character. You think he's cruel. You think he's unjust. And if that's you, it's because you don't know the master. Because those of us who, who, are, who are Christians, we know that he is a gracious and loving and forgiving heavenly father. We know because he's done it to us. And like this one talent man, if, if you die in that state and you stand before God and you give an account and you don't know him, like him you will experience judgment. You'll be cast into the outer darkness. But it doesn't have to be that way because the Bible says while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And if we will put our faith in him, we will be saved. Now, church, I, I want to both pat you on the back and also kind of push you on forward. Because I believe you put those talents and skills and capacities and abilities and resources that you had, that, that you, you invested time, you invested skills and, and money and, and all those things, you invested them into the, in those kids, you invested them in the kingdom of God. And for that I want to say, well done. You did good. But again, there's still room for improvement because we, we still got life to live. We still got a community to reach. Use what you have for His glory. Listen, I tried decorating. I'll stay to preaching because it, it was not good. Listen, you may not have a skill or capacity. That's fine. Use what you got. I don't have yours. You don't have mine. Use what God has given you for His glory. Why don't you stand with me as musicians come. And I ask that as you stand, you bow your heads and close your eyes. And with nobody looking around, I just want you to consider... Not your level of success, but your level of faithfulness. Talked about Noah a couple weeks ago. Noah preached for 120 years. Nobody believed. The only people that got on the boat were him and his family. Say, was Noah a man of God? Absolutely. Was he successful? Not really. But the issue wasn't success, it was faithfulness.
Father, thank you that, that success belongs in your hands. Thank you that salvation is from you. It's not something that we work up. It's not something that we provide or produce. And Lord, if there's somebody who's listening to me today that has never accepted Christ as their Savior, I pray that you would draw them to yourself and let them experience the salvation that you offer. But God, for those of us who are Christians, I pray that you would find us faithful. I thank you for the faithfulness of the church, the efforts that were given. God, I... I pray that we would stay faithful to you, that we would continue moving ahead, continue working until Jesus comes. Lord, again, I, I thank you that you have given each of us resources, capacity, skills, talents, all those things. I pray that you'd help us to use them in your service and for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.